Hello, and welcome to the Business of Authority. I'm Jonathan Stark. And I'm Rochelle Moulton. And today we're going to talk about choosing your top priorities for the year. Yay, listener question time. Yes. Poor Rochelle, as you could probably detect, <laughs> is not feeling well. No. I'll do my Kathleen Turner voice. There you go. <laughs> uh, cool. Okay, so yes, this is a listener question. Uh, someone wrote in to ask. Let me actually pull it up. It's it's good. It's good, but it's a little long. Um, do you have a special recipe for what themes come first, second, third, when just starting out, like a theme stack? And that's in reference to our, uh, I think, two episodes ago where we talked about sort of strategies for the year, an annual theme that will kind of guide your actions. Uh, and then the question asker goes on to ask, should you ever have more than one theme in a single year? For example, I'm thinking this year my theme might be publishing, and so I'm going to start crystallizing my big idea either with writing or webinar workshops. Crystallizing my big idea with either writing or webinar workshops. But should I also be prospecting simultaneously? Or do you recommend I wait to prospect until year two? No. Uh, <laughs> and then finally, I hard no. Yeah, hard no. Um, I liked your point about your year of automation, that your year of automation was a good foundation for this year of awareness because if new people started flooding in, your systems can handle it. Are there other themes like that you could help me put into a general rule of thumb sequence so I don't put any cards before my horses? All right. So good question. Tons of, obviously we both have jumped in already about the prospecting. Um, I think the, I think it would be easy to misconstrue our, maybe our, the point we made in that episode that the, the theme for the year is not an all-encompassing, you know, 40 hours a week, that's all you work on type of thing. Mm -hmm. At least for me, it was kind of like in my, you know, in my free day or free time or like whatever. It was like like in time that I had to work on my business instead of in my business, it was it's going to inform my actions for that day or hour or whatever. But you still have to do all of the the care and feeding of your business. You know, you have to, you have to have money coming in. You have to be closing deals. You, I mean, you have to have leads coming yeah. in. You have to be closing deals. You have to be doing delivery, whatever that looks like for your particular business. So you still have to do all of that stuff. Uh, it's more like the, I look at it as like the fun, the fun parts where I've got like in my extra time, I get to kind of move the ball a little bit farther down the field with whatever the theme for the year is. And having a theme keeps keeps it so that even if I'm only putting in a little effort on that particular thing, it's always in the same direction. I'm going to, you know, when I look back at the end of the year, I'm going to have made um, a lot of progress instead of just doing random, oh, maybe I'll send some podcast outreach today. And then tomorrow, maybe I'll, I don't know, um, automate a, a workshop. And the day after that, maybe I'll work on a couple of chapter, a couple of pages of a book, you know, just never get anything closer to the finish line because you're just doing too little on too much. Yeah. And I think it's tempting, um, especially early on, if you have another source of revenue to not do any prospecting because you're thinking, oh, I have to get it all perfect before I talk to anybody about oh, it. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And you don't want to do that. I mean, prospecting kind of never stops. I mean, ideally on the road to authority, you do a lot of prospecting in the beginning and then it tapers off as you become known, as people find you, you don't have to do as much. You're still making connections and meeting people and building relationships, but you're not really prospecting, selling, mm -hmm. you know, in that sort of old style use of the word. Right. Yeah. 
yeah, ideally it would go down over time. That's sort of, that's, yeah. well, but we're going to get to that actually. But yeah, there's, I mean, you still have to do your taxes. You still have to keep track of all, you know, bookkeeping. You still have to, all those things, you know, make whatever, like upgrade your laptop and like all of those things. You still have to do all of that. So it's not like a, it's not like a, um, it's not like it's the only thing you'd be working on all year. Um, that's different though than having two themes at once in my mind. So you, you can be doing different things. Of course, that's what we're saying. You're going to be still doing lots of different things, but, um, I don't, I don't know. I, I always, I always get nervous when people, if you literally had two themes, themes like big annual type of things, I get nervous when people are, are kind of splitting their time between two. It's, it's better yeah. than 10, but like, why can't it just be one? Like why, why not one? And maybe yeah. do that. Maybe you only need to do it for six months. And then you're like, oh, I, I feel like I've crossed the finish line on this. And I'm going to move to the next. I, I, you know what? Funny funny enough, now that I just said that, it's kind of like a project. Yeah. And so, you know, how many projects are you going to do at once? And I can already hear certain consultants go, five, ten. <laughs> um, but really, this is not your primary work. You're doing lots of other things. And so to keep it simple with just one thing. I mean, I, I don't know about you, but I, I focus a lot better if I've got one one lodestar that I'm after. Yeah, I agree. So I, you know, you could convince me otherwise, I suppose. Someone could convince me otherwise in a conversation, I suppose. But generally speaking, it makes my life easier to just have one. Having two would not make it, it would make it harder. Yeah, and especially because you're probably running a business, Right. So you have all this other stuff happening anyway. And so this is your leftover time. So when you have that free time, it's like, OK, I've got one thing I'm working on. What can I do to move that forward today? Right. Right. Exactly. Uh, cool. So before the, the show, we kind of brainstormed, you know, if, if if we were working with someone who was just starting out, like, you know, the question asker, if, if we're working with someone who was just starting out, what would be the the big themes and in what order that we would tackle them or recommend tack tackling them. And so we we came, uh, I scribbled down five and we can kind of go through these in order. Of course, you know, your mileage may vary. You might be starting from a different place. You might not be just starting out. So, you know, don't take this as gospel. But, but when I do start with someone who's really green, like really new, maybe somebody in Ditcherville or something that, that is just a, just a brand new freelancer, let's say. The first thing I would want for them and the first big theme would be to secure cash flow. So it wouldn't, you know, mm. which does not mean like get your positioning perfect, get your value proposition perfect, get your product ladder perfect. No, it's like you get money coming in however you have to. It's maybe it's maybe you haven't left your 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 previous job and you're just down to half time or something like that or Maybe you're on top towel and you're getting leads from there. Maybe you do hourly work through an agency that whatever it is that will that will give you the strength, honestly, to to make decisions that would otherwise feel way too risky. So you're, you're going to be making big changes. And if you don't know how you're going to keep the lights on, it's going to be really hard to choose the right thing. Yeah, cash flow is the number one thing when you're starting out or really at any point, because in order to take risks, you have to have a certain amount of comfort level. And that varies from person to person. 
right? The guy who's, you know, right out of college living with five roommates can probably afford to take a little bit more risk than somebody who has a spouse and children and a mortgage and all that stuff and, you know, school tuitions, all that stuff. So it's important to really have some amount of cash flow where it gives you comfort, right? It's maybe not enough to get excited about, but it gives you enough comfort that you can start taking a little risk. Right. Yeah, exactly. It's it's pretty noticeable. Like with folks who are in my private coaching, the, the one-on-one stuff, a common theme is that pretty much I'm trying to th- without I think without exception they're like comfortable you know they they are at this level of income where they're not nervous where the next dollar is going to come from but they're not satisfied with it anymore so they're they're like so the reason I say that is because for someone just starting out it might seem hard to believe that they'll ever be there but it, it does happen after a while you just like you you somehow cobble together. Uh, a book of business and you know by hook or by crook and it might be a messy book of business and it might not be super profitable but you know you're gonna have enough money for you know mm-hmm. your, your bills so it's yeah. it, it's not so if but until you're there that would be my my theme would be to focus on getting predictable income stream because you just other if you're not you're just going to be fight or flight constantly uh, just taking on bad clients, just never getting out of that uh, negative cycle of taking on bad clients who there become very low profit and make you miserable. And then, you know, since you're not that profitable, you got to take on more bad clients. You can't be picky. And it's just oh, a. And then you get susceptible to these sort of like, oh, do this and make a million dollars and take this course. This will make you $500,000 just like me. You know, it's like you want to do this in a way that makes sense for you and that allows you to grow your business in a a reasonable way. Yes. Yes. Um, Okay. So at at the risk of, of sounding obvious, cash flow would be the first big one that uh, that would secure and again just to just to be clear that doesn't mean getting everything perfect and value pricing and a blah blah no just like Mm -hmm. go get on upwork i don't care work at starbucks get do anything so that you don't have to go back to a full-time day job or take on terrible clients or whatever the case may be once you were at a point the next one on my list is is once you have a level of comfort where you 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 know you're not freaking out every month about your bills then i would i would take the luxury of trying to figure out broadly speaking my value proposition so it's all it's position it's more than just positioning it's like positioning in my mind but it's a combination of of a lot of things kind of everything we talk about it's like this this would be the theme let's call them, let's say they're annual themes this would be the year when I would be trying to like decide what I want to be when I grow up, like like what is either my big idea or my mission or my revolution or mm-hmm. or even smaller than that, like what is the thing that the market wants from me or what do I want to bring yeah. to the market? So of all of the things that people have been paying me for, what is the thing I really want to show up and do? Uh, and figuring out all of the things that come from that, like how to talk about it, how to market it, how to position it, how to price it, how to package it, all that stuff will come later. But this would be the themes like, what what are we selling here? Like, what is the product? And for whom? Like, who are my people? Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
Because yeah. it's, it's sometimes it's hard for people to separate those two. Sometimes they start with, uh, these are my people. And other times they start with, this is my idea. Now I have to find the right people. Right. It's, it's that, it's that intersection. It's kind of like you could call it, you could think of it as like, what's the product market fit that I'm looking for? Or like, just what, what do I want to be? So you've got, you probably, people in this stage often have like a million different kinds of clients. There's no pattern. They've got mm-hmm. all different deals with everybody. Uh, and it's just kind of, um, it's kind of a yard sale of like of, <laughs> of a business, just like all over the place. And this is, this would be a, a theme year of like getting picky. And maybe, maybe that looks like picking a specific kind of client from people that you've worked with, or it could be a particular service or it could be a particular product that you're going to double down on. Uh, but I would, that, that would be my theme for the year. And it might not, you know, it might not take an entire year. It might be obvious to you uh, what it is pretty quickly. Uh, there might be one, you know, maybe you've got a couple of clients that are, in, I don't know, in DeFi or something, or you're really into, or like uh, small uh, bricks and mortar retailers or whatever it is. It might be super obvious to you who you want to help and how you want to help them. But it might not be, and it could take some time and experimentation. And so this this could be quick or it could be long. So this might be one of those cases where it doesn't take an entire year to figure out, or maybe it does. Well, and there's the figuring it out, and then there's the making it work. Yes, right? Because once you decide who you want to focus on, it may take a while to actually figure out the language you have to use to pull those people in, the offerings that you need and the price points that you need to make it work. Yep. Yeah. And I actually, I actually broke those, that, that very last thing you said, I broke that into a, a second phase, although it's, it's sort of arbitrary. But if you're, if we're talking about someone who's starting out as a freelancer, they're doing some kind of service, maybe on an hourly basis initially. So you're, you're, you're running a service business and, uh, and once you're done with figuring out your value proposition and how to articulate it to actually attract the kind of buyers that you're after, and you get all of the materials, all of your, your property is set up to reflect that and you can feel it starting to work. It's like, okay, you're getting leads, but it's still for the same kind of package that you've always been selling, which which perhaps is billing by the hour to build rail, billing by the hour to create Rails websites or set up Shopify stores or, or, or whatever, do PR for someone, whatever it is. And at that point where you're like, okay, uh, I've got, now I've still got steady cash flow. My value proposition is, clear in my mind and clear to the market. And now I'm attracting the kinds of people who the specific kinds of people I want to work with or attracting the specific kind of work I want to do. You've got specialized. Then it's like, okay, I've been renting myself out by the hour. Maybe I should think about that. This So the next big phase for me is like packaging your expertise in a way that creates more leverage, more impact, or whatever your goals are, creates more of whatever you want. So that, that could be, um, it could be productizing. It could be switching to value pricing. Uh, it could pro- probably those those would be probably the two big things. Or it could be creating a product. Well, um, it, I mean, I, what hits me is it's monetizing your stuff. I mean, I think about like in my book, I talked about positioning, and then the, sort of the next logical thing is monetizing. How are you going to make money? out of this, you know, that assumes that you know the revolution you want to lead, you know your ideal client, you know your specialty, you know kind of how you, or what you want to do, who you want to serve. Now it's like, how are you going to make money from this? And that's also where your genius zone comes in, right? Because some of us are going to want to do high touch, 
you know, one-to-one or one-to-a-corporate-team a kind of work, and others are going to want to do one-to-many, you know, the more the better. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah, so there's... I don't know how specific we can get about this one without like spending an entire show on it. I'm sure we've done entire shows on different ways to package your expertise. Uh, it's it's a big topic and it really depends on what space you're in, but it does live on that spectrum. I think one one good sort of axis to think about it on is high touch versus low touch, where the delivery of the service is either, or the delivery of the package, whatever the person buys, is either a, a lot of work for you, you know, very, very, it's like a, it's like a lot of attention, um, perhaps even a lot of time or low touch, which be the, the simplest, lowest touch ever is like, you know, dump somebody downloading a, a PDF or something, you know, buying a, mm-hmm. a buying your book, uh, super duper low touch. You don't even necessarily need to know or notice that someone bought it. It's just, they, they click buy now into their credit card and they have it and you, you didn't even need to get out of bed there it is perfect right um so the packaging can take all different forms and uh, and geez yeah and and i guess it's just like you know see previous episode on packaging your expertise (laughs) um but it it lends it so once once you've done that once so for well just to keep the example alive we've got a freelancer got their cash flow figured out they got a value proposition figured out and articulated they've they've packaged their expertise in maybe two different ways let's say three ways the three obvious ways for like a a consultant type or someone who's moving in a consultant type direction would be like a high ticket product like a project an expensive project at the highest levels Uh, maybe a productized service like a roadmap kind of thing in the middle and then maybe a paid phone call at the bottom so like you could have three different items in your product ladder and they'd all be um, probably probably wouldn't be too much of a stretch for someone who's spent a couple of years you know maybe they've got three or four years under their belt they know what they're doing they know who to help who they want to help and they know how to help them so you could package up your expertise in those three ways very very easily Uh, and then run that once you run that for a little while you might find that after this sort of monetizing your expertise phase is over, maybe the next theme is deciding what growth looks like. So, you know, you've got everything kind of nailed down. And this is where a lot of people come to me, or this is where they're comfortable. They they know what they're doing. They know where the money's coming from. It's They're doing well, but they've been stuck in the same spot of doing pretty well for mm-hmm. years. And it's like, how do we get to the next level? And I think that's that a theme for a year like that would look like, I don't know what to call it, but like refining your business model. It's like, how, how am I going to grow? How am I going to grow this? Assuming that you're not satisfied, just stuck at the plateau. And, you know, the two, like one obvious dimension is, is similar to the one I just mentioned. It's like you could decide that you want to go more high touch. You, you love doing high touch. You love doing one-on-one. You bring tons of value. Uh, you have, there's no downward pricing pressure. Clients are happy to pay your exorbitant fees. And mm-hmm. your growth looks like getting bigger and bigger clients for whom you will deliver more and more value and therefore can charge higher and higher fees without doing any more work. It's the same work, but for bigger clients, since, since the value is higher, you can chart, you can capture more of the value. So that would look like going from, you know, oh, I really want to help mom and pop pizza places. And then you get, you, you get to this plateau 
with mom and pop pizza places. And then you say, well, okay, growth for me is going to look like getting bigger and bigger pizza places. You get Now I'm going to go after regional chains. Now I'm going to go after national chains. Now I'm going to go after international chains. And, you know, obviously there's going to be learning along the way. They're probably going to have different, different considerations. Uh, but that, that is one growth model, but it's, but there are others. Yeah. I mean, the thing that strikes me about that is, is you can also not do bigger, but more sophisticated, which isn't always bigger. You know, again, it depends what your expertise is. Like you might be able to serve a middle market, which some people would define as anywhere from maybe 40 million to a billion dollar companies. And you might say, you know what, that's my sweet spot. I don't want to go bigger. And maybe even it's privately held companies in that in that space. And you find an issue that they have that you can solve for them that has a big payoff. I mean, you could make a career happily playing in that space and never going bigger. So that's what I love about this. I mean, there's just so many options depending on who your people are and the kind of work you really enjoy doing. Yeah, totally. I, I, you, something about that reminded me of... Geez, I don't know if I'll be able to pull the name out of my broken brain, but there's a, I, I was talking to someone who made an entire consulting business on top of some regulation around handicap stalls and bathrooms, and it became mm-hmm. like the 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 world, or I guess the the it, it's a, a United States thing, so just the, the national expert on on what you need to do when you're putting a bathroom in like some kind of retail space and just, yeah, just like tore through. He just did every rest, every bathroom in every restaurant in the country or something, you know, like I'm probably butchering the story if you're listening. But that's classic. Yeah. Well, and especially with consultants who deal with regulations. I mean, in my old life, I worked with people who had these careers around a single piece of legislation and, you know, they got in early, they understood it. They had that kind of authority mindset where it wasn't just about what does the regulation say, but how do you deal with this in real life and in business? And yeah, if you could make a whole career on things like that. Mm, exactly. Um, okay, so that would be that would be one. There's a major fork in the road here. One would be you're gonna you're gonna grow by getting bigger clients and when I say bigger here I don't necessarily mean headcount it could be could be just they have more buying power is the real bottom line they've got there's more at stake and therefore more value and they Mm -hmm. can charge more but that might not be the direction you want to go maybe you want to uh, like have a broader impact and or maybe you don't you want to do less client work you know you want to minimize that for whatever reason and you stick with you sort of like ramp down the one-on-one work and you create more productized services or products or or, or a million other things, masterminds, memberships, um, courses, mm-hmm. yada, 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 yada. There's a, a, a million things on the on the spectrum there. But you, but that's a big decision. So you get to that, that stage where you're, you're, you're set, you're at a plateau, but you're, you know, you're set, but you're at a plateau and you're like, all right, how do I want to get to the next level? Uh, it's a big fork in the road and it's, it's got, and it's got a lot of paths uh, available to you, but they don't doing two of them. It would be ill-advised in my opinion. It's yeah. like trying to, trying to go after bigger clients for more one-on-one work and trying to create like a, like a, a, a 
product business, you know, info product business at the same time. It's like, it's not that you wouldn't have info products perhaps in your mix if you're going after bigger clients, but it's a big strategic difference. And we, you know, we were saying before the show, the, my sort of year of automation last year, 2022, I wouldn't have needed to do that if I was still doing just high ticket one-on-one mobile consulting because there's there just yeah. nothing to automate. It was like... It would be the day of automation, yeah, right? Instead right? of the year of. Yeah, it was like a little... There's just like tiny little things, you know, like having a having a text expander for common emails and and maybe some marketing automation. So if, if I was even doing a mailing list for that business, I probably would. Yeah, I would be. Yes, um, yeah, you still that would. That would still make sense. But, you know, maybe syndicating that to different platforms, that would make sense. But... But there's none of the delivery. There's there was no there were, there were really very very little to automate in that model. Um, not nothing, but very little. It was certainly not uh, an entire year's worth of stuff. Versus, you know, if a big thing for me last year, the big thing I was automating was my workshops. So those those were complicated. Have a lot of moving parts. They need to like recur cohort bases. Was really complicated. You know, there's like all this date math and it's confusing so like that stuff you know that's like a that's a big difference you know that's like okay so there's a ton of stuff to automate here it did take me a a year of hours here and there and yeah so it's at that point you might make a decision you know you know i want to change the my mix in such a way my product and service mix in such a way that i'm really making a, a business model decision about how i'm going to monetize my expertise Yeah. And it comes back to focus. I mean, it's really hard to focus on multiple things at once because you're also still running your business. You are serving clients or you're serving buyers, you're, you know, producing content, you know, whatever it is you're doing. And like the visual for me is I picture the plateau and then you get to that point where you say, all right, I'm ready to do something else. And so in order to to jump that level, you really have to marshal all of your energy into one thing to push to that next level. Mm-hmm. And then once you're there, that's a whole different that's a whole different animal. Right. So I suppose at a certain point it becomes cyclical where not, not all the way back down to the to the cash flow problem hopefully. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I guess unless mm-hmm. you completely pivoted and started a whole new business or something like dramatic, but but generally speaking, uh, I suppose you if you were going to do a hard pivot into something else, you could cycle back and, and loop through these things perhaps more quickly the second time around, like like defining and articulating your value proposition, your blah, 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 all that stuff. And, and yeah, sort of like but it doesn't cycle. take as much time typically as the first time you, you've, right. you've got more to work with at that point. Right. Yeah, a lot more, probably more resources, more free time, a lot less. You're farther up Maslow's hierarchy of needs at that point. Well, and the other thing, too, is when we think about these plateaus, there are people who say, okay, I'm making this much money, which is great. I'd like to make even more, but I'd like to work less. Oh, yeah. And Mm -hmm. yeah. And so that becomes and that's a really fun exercise to go through that. But it's not always about just revenue. It's about because we're mostly soloists here. It's about our quality of life and the quality of the work that we do. And the way that we serve this revolution that we want to lead. So it's not just about the revenue. It right. can be about how you work, when you work, where you work, all of those things. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And there, I mean, there's a bunch of other stuff. You, know, you could be, you could decide you want to sell. And, or if there's something to sell, you could decide you want to. And then preparing, preparing to sell probably take you a year. Or, mm-hmm. or you could maybe partner, you know, or acquire 
Or, I mean, there's a million things you could do. You could start hiring employees like crazy. You decide that you want to grow headcount and, and then sort of like sell the inventory of hours. So there's a, you know, it, it gets pretty quickly. You get to a point where it's like, okay, it, it really depends. There's like a thousand things you could do. But the, those early stages for someone who is just starting out, I think that that this series of projects or themes or, or focus, things to focus on, for say a year or about that i think they're pretty i think they're pretty common i think it's yeah pretty universal actually i'm trying to think of anybody who hasn't gone through those yeah kind of can't think of any yeah i mean some go through some go through it faster than others i mean especially if you've been like in a consulting career before Mm -hmm. and you're saying okay i'm going to put out my own shingle that's a little bit different but yeah they still cycle through it's just a question of speed right yeah i the the closest thing to an exception I can think of are people who are sort of successful executive types that have a, a big runway um, and they're just, you know, so they're still technically starting out, but they've got tons of connections and they completely know their area. They know exactly yeah. what they're going to do. They know the market. They were just, they're just like, I want to do this solo instead of under the, you know, under this organization. Mm-hmm. Right. And there's, st- you still have to, you know, do all of these things you still have to figure out what your value proposition is and package it and all that but they're just there's a just a lot more they're bringing a lot more sort of business maturity to the table they're not learning how to run a business uh to the extent that they that might be if you i don't know just got out of college i'll i i have to i have to throw this out there though you know when i did my first business i had like i don't know 10 years or 11 years of consulting experience but i didn't know how to run a a solo well it wasn't a solo business but I knew how to run a business unit inside of a bigger company but running the whole thing yourself where you're responsible for stuff that somebody else took care of before like (laughs) payroll and office rent (laughs) and who buys the computers and fixes the network when it's down like that stuff (laughs) yeah so there's there's a for most of us there's a learning curve with that too but it's not you know it's not it's not a horrible learning curve. You can you can you know do that one pretty quick. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Um, cool. Do we have anything else to share around these sort of early, you know, don't put the cart before the horse type of of priorities? Yeah, I mean, I just keep coming back to this idea that um, first of all, I like that when we talked about strategy and we came up with this word of theme that people glommed onto that. And I think yeah. it's. You know, it's an easier way to think about strategy feels like this amorphous, big, like, I don't know, business school kind of a thing. Whereas a theme is like, oh, yeah, I have a theme for the year. Uh, And a lot of us do that in our personal lives, right? We have a theme for this year. And so I I love that people kind of glommed onto that. But I think the trick is don't have five themes. Pick (laughs) one. And, you know, to your point earlier, if you if you hit it halfway through the year, you can pick a new theme for the rest of the year, but do one at a time. Yeah, I I, I just have this, but the visual in my head is, you know, like rocks across the river and there's a bunch of rocks. They're all over the place. There's not one path across the river. Mm. And you just want, I, I think of it like from a project standpoint, building software, I always like to have stable releases, like lots of working software all the time. And to, it feels like the same thing to me where, you know, you just, you're on the shore, you jump to the closest rock, you're like, okay, I made it. I've got my balance. I'm on the rock. Jump to the next rock. Okay, I made it. Mm-hmm. I've got my balance. If you jump for two rocks at once, you're going to end up wet. <laughs> <laughs> right? So Touché. to me, it's like, just jump to the rock, 
the the next one that looks best and and once you're there and you're stable then okay move to the next one maybe it doesn't take a year maybe it takes two years hopefully not two years but but that's the that's to me that's how i picture it and then eventually you're like to the other side of the river and you're like cool i made it now what do i want to do yeah, because, you know, I think there's this misconception when you look at somebody who's really successful at doing this and you go, oh, yeah, well, they just had this logical, you know, plateau here, plateau there. They did the next thing. Everything was so logical, but it really was more like the river and the rocks mm-hmm. for them. And yeah, yeah. Yeah. Looking back, you can say, oh, that's a path that works. But yeah. it wasn't but obvious from the other yeah, side. Yeah, it wasn't. It wasn't. And remember that, especially when you're starting out. Like, none of us knew which rock was actually going to be stable when we <laughs> jumped to it. We were <laughs> right. hoping maybe we did our research. We took a good look at the rock. It looks flat. It looks secure. <laughs> but sometimes they're not. Yeah, exactly. Well, cool. We'll, we'll let you go, Kathleen Turner. I know you're uh, probably <laughs> up for your next throat lozenge. Yeah, it's time. all right folks that's it for this week i'm jonathan stark and i'm rochelle moulton and we hope you join us again next time for the business of authority bye Bye bye-bye